Welcome to DevCast. This is John Janik, the Chief Technologist at Dev, and we're joined with... This is Adam D'Angelo, the Senior Director of Technology and Learning. And joining us on the phone, we have a very special podcast cameo, and uh, Becky, I'll let you introduce yourself. Oh, thank you. Uh, this is Becky Crane. I am a director here at Dev Technology. Uh, I am currently the program manager on our new um, CBP Cargo project. Uh, I've been with Dev Technology for about five years. Uh, I've worked on a couple of different programs, and uh, I've enjoyed all of it. That's fantastic. So I think, Becky, uh, this session we're going to be focusing on Agile. And one of the reasons why we thought it would be great to bring you on is that you have done a lot of work on agile and agile deployments in government, right? So we thought you would be just the best person to talk with about what is agile in government? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like, right? And uh, and maybe you could walk us through a couple of experiences you've had. And I guess kind of the, the core of this question is, you know, is agile in government actual agile, right? And and what if, where have you seen it work well? And where have you seen it where it could continue to improve or iterate? Well, that's a heavy question. All right. Well, I don't <laughs> tell you, I don't like to ask the easy ones. So, um, so I have been fortunate enough to work on um, a, a few teams in the last uh, 10 years or so uh, that have um, had agile components to them. You know, I would hesitate to say this program was agile uh, or not agile. It's definitely not 100% or zero uh, in the government contracts um, that I've worked on. So um, one of my more recent projects for our government customer, um, they had been doing a little bit of agile, meaning that they had, um, for some of the teams, had used sprints to, to get work done. But it really was still sprints within a waterfall plan um, of, you know, a bulk of requirements gathered up front and then a lot, a lot of development done in two week chunks, but still a lot of development done in, um, you know, and, and then getting to an initial deployment. Um, so it started there. Um, but I think, uh, when I joined that team about three years ago, um, that agency was just um, at the point where they were ready to take it on at a more enterprise level. And that was exciting. Um, and, and it, you know, it took some time, but I actually think that it got a foothold there. And one of the reasons that was the case was because I had a champion up at the top um, in its um, CTO and, and uh, CIO. They really felt that this uh, agile methodology was bringing, going to bring value to their delivery for their customers. And so there was a lot of focus uh, placed on training and communication around the agile process and what it could bring to the table. Uh, and I think that has really helped uh, bring the, the, business side, which is the their customer and the IT side together in better understanding the process and how to use it to um, to speed up delivery uh, and really to increase the quality of delivery because of the increased communication between the business owner and the development teams and the um, IT um, government component. So that was uh, it was a long process to get to there. Um, and there is still um, there's still a structure over top of it that 
I think probably will always remain there because it is, um, there are so many different stakeholders uh, that um, have to answer to the really ultimately to the public um, to say, yes, we delivered software for you. We did it in the most efficient and effective way possible. And there are lots of structures in government to uh, ensure that that their contract teams are meeting those expectations of what's been promised to the to the general public about how um, the, the taxes that they pay are being used in, um, you know, in the most effective way possible. So because of that, I mean, in the, in the most definitive way of the use of that term bureaucratic, because of that required bureaucracy um, that has a good reason behind it, there will always be some of that structure, I think. And so you have to find a way for Agile to fit within that bureaucracy to be able to have the benefits of both both the oversight and the um, the speed uh, and quality of delivery that I think Agile can provide. Um, so that was a very interesting experience I had for uh, on that project. Um, and the, the new project I'm on, they have um, implemented Agile with a something of the SAFE framework, which is uh, also very interesting. Um, they, they've kind of got components of SAFE. So it's not the entire methodology or, or framework um, of SAFE, but they do have increments that are uh, six sprints long with a planning week at the um, beginning and a, um, uh, and, um, agency-wide um, increment planning sessions where they coordinate and collaborate across the teams to make sure that um, these systems that are highly integrated, uh, the dependencies are, are um, documented and tracked uh, to ensure that the, the whole plane is being built um, as expected, a metaphorical plane. Um, so that's also been very interesting. And I think there are, are definitely some uh, other components of the safe agile framework that could be implemented here. For example, the um, we have introduced the release train engineer role uh, as part of our um, when we when we started on this project. And, and I think there was someone that was already sort of um, performing that role, but by defining it in that way within the structure of safe agile. Uh, we were able to put a little bit more focus on what that role is intended to do in, in that coordination and collaboration across the multiple delivery teams that we have here. So that's been very interesting to see. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see where we can take, get a little further um, deep into the safe agile framework um, concepts and ideas and, and apply them here. Yeah. So, so, so I heard a couple of things that were actually three things that really really sound like they defined your different experiences with agile and these government agencies. One was, was leadership is absolutely critical to knowing and being able to implement agile in any meaningful way Two is that you have to have the training and the educational opportunities for people to really kind of understand how to fit into that framework. And three is this idea that, constructs or frameworks like safe allow for uh, uh, ways for people to kind of plug into how they think about agile, right? So that we always talk about this in terms of like big A and little a agile, 
and and how do you think of these things and sometimes it's easy if there's a already existing construct that you can look at and you can say oh that's agile right because oftentimes you'll hear about scrum right and people will say oh, well scrum is agile well no scrum's not actually agile scrum is one way of implementing agile just like safe is one way of implementing agile and then people can kind of get into those uh habits and they can uh really think about what they do and how they do it and uh and deliver more value for the client right does it, so so what so those three things stood out to me does that make sense does that sound it like does. What you heard? yeah yeah and i think also uh i would say that um as you're saying it, it helps to have that framework but i think if you start uh in an agency and think i'm just going to take this uh framework and plop it on top and um, and start from the big, it's going to be much harder. But having the framework and kind of working your way into it, okay, we're going to do these ceremonies. Uh, all right, now we're going to increase the, you know, the, we're going to deepen the use of these ceremonies or um, or our communication across the team, like with the safe agile here. Okay, maybe they didn't have a release train engineer to start, but they started off with increment planning. Okay, let's start there. And then let's build up toward um a more quote unquote ideal, um, uh, delivery model, uh, within safe. Cool. Cool. So what, so for everybody that's listening, right? So again, we've kind of, we've wanted DevCast to bring value for our government colleagues and, and partners, uh, for those of us who are in the ecosystem and participating. So what, what's your message, uh, to those who are listening about agile? What do you want somebody listening to walk away with we're going to talk all we're going to spend all this time talking about agile what's the one thing that's most important to you that you want them to hear so i think agile is worth it okay <laughs> so if it's a ch if it's challenging to implement which I, I think it is in probably most environments um especially environments that have um, been seeped in prior mm, frameworks, um, waterfall frameworks, or, or other kinds of structures. Um, it, it can feel like moving a very large ship, but I think uh, it's well worth it. I think that um, your participants in the process, the developers, the business owners, um, it, the scrum masters, everybody who participates in it, I think eventually it comes to... Uh, enjoy it and see the value that it brings. And, um, so even though it's a challenge at the start, it's, uh, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. What a great message. Thanks. Okay. So Becky, uh, you're more than welcome back anytime you want. And we really appreciate having you on the, on the podcast day as our first podcast cameo and, uh, look forward to talking with you again on DevCast soon. Great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yep. So Becky had a couple of really important points to make, right? One was that there was this construct of, of leadership, education, and understanding, right? Frameworks and constructs that you could easily plug into. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was this message that agile is worth it, right? And, and, and that this, this idea that, yeah, it, it can be painful to try and adopt these methods of thinking, especially if you're deeply steeped in waterfall, right? So, so, you know, I think it's an interesting question to ask, like, what's your, what's your perspective on that? Well, I, I think, you know, Becky's points were 
absolutely spot on, right? I think you definitely need an agile champion in your organization to kind of drive that culture change. Um, but most importantly, I think, you know, the one component that makes the change very difficult is moving from really a low trust model, which is a waterfall, um, where everything is planned and accounted for ahead of time, in theory, uh, to agile, where there's less planning um, and, and frankly, less accountability because you have less of a, ideally, you have less of a concept of what you're trying to deliver at the end of the day, right? You're trying to slowly get to a better and better product. So I think that um, high trust environment is probably the most difficult thing to create within an organization, which is why so frequently within the agile coaching community, uh, the concept of that agile champion, the executive leader in an organization is critical to that culture change uh, to create that agile uh, operation, that agile mindset within the organization itself. Yeah. When we talk about, so it's interesting you bring that up, this idea of, of high trust environments, right? Because when we talk about high performing teams, when we talk about self-directed teaming, right? All of these concepts, which are very critical and core to agile, right? Trust is fundamental, right? Trust and transparency. You hear those two concepts brokered over and over and over again. Like you cannot have a high performing team. You cannot have a diverse team. You cannot have a team that can deliver value in a quick iterative manner if you don't have trust, right? If you don't have transparency, if you don't have a lot of different folks bringing a lot of different ideas to the table and then sorting through them. So it's, it's super interesting you bring that perspective on it too. I think it really gives you a lot of like, why does it, why is Agile worked for Becky, right? Because it's allowed her to bring trust to the to environments where traditionally, right? And governments especially challenged by this, right? Trust is, is a challenge sometimes in these government environments, right? Right. It absolutely is. I'm, and I think one of the nice things that Agile can bring to the table is um, it, it increases transparency if you're doing it correctly. And it also shortens that feedback loop, right? You're, you're going to know much sooner if you're on target and on task and delivering value, ideally, um, to be able to um, make your customers happy and, and, and satisfy their needs, right? As opposed to waiting a year for a software deliverable, which uh, I've seen it time and time again, uh, barely checks any of the boxes that they were originally looking for. Or maybe it was all the boxes they were originally looking for, but a year and a half has gone by and they don't care about that anymore. I've seen that time and time again. Entirely new boxes. Entirely new boxes, <laughs> right. So so what do you think about, all right, so here's an interesting tie into that conversation. Is it still agile if you're putting control gates into the process, right? So agile delivery is this idea that we're constantly delivering value, right? And if we're going to stop things, so we see this all the time in cybersecurity, right? We're going to stop what we're doing because you can't go any further until we get ATO, right? How does that, in your experience, impact agile and agile delivery? Well, um, you know, I think when we're talking to those control gates, we're probably thinking a little bit more about the federal space where we're actually doing agile these days. And and frankly, I still think there's plenty of value there, right? You know, it, it is a not not a, a regulated environment, but a, an environment that requires a lot of um, due diligence to make sure the right code is getting into production. We're not. Netflix. We are not delivering thousands of features a day. Um, that's just not how it works um, at any of these organizations or components in the federal space. So I think a control gate makes sense. Um, again, wh whatever controls you add to your agile process, though, need to make sense. Are they actually delivering value? Are they 
enabling a customer to get better quality software? Are they getting the right eyes to actually, you know, review the code, review the deliverables at these um, check marks at these gates? You know, I've been through many, um, you know, what are they called? PRRs, um, re release cycles, right? And it's basically, you know, a rubber stamp from a bunch of components who dial into some conference line and says, uh, operations, do you have any problem with this change request going through? No. But they haven't looked at anything, right? So it, the quality of your gate means more than the fact that you have a gate, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and that, I think, is a little bit more true to the Agile um, manifesto, really, being able to bring value. It, it just depends, right? So I, I don't think there's a problem with it. Yeah, what a great way to look at it. you know. And I think that's a message that it probably deserves to be reiterated, the, that the quality of the gate, right, really impacts what your delivery gonna, is going to look like than, than anything else, right? So, so don't have checkpoints just to have checkpoints, right? Don't have control gates just to have control gates. Make sure they're adding value to that end product. Totally. I mean, and that's true pretty much all throughout the software delivery life cycle. I mean, I've worked on countless projects where somebody made some bold claim that you must have 100% unit test coverage of your code. But there's a diminishing return on investment for some of those unit tests, right? It depends what you're covering. Yeah. Cover the things that are of value. Spend time there. There's plenty of code that doesn't need an automated unit test. Yeah. So, so speaking of control gates, so let's spin this a little bit. You know, we how has... You know, how has DevOps changed how we think about Agile, right? And especially as now we're talking about DevSecOps, right? And this kind of continuous deployment, continuous integration pipeline. And, and you know, these are these are very pure technical implementations of the Agile methodologies, right? The, those core values of constantly delivering on something, right? Right. How do those things play into where we're talking about Agile right now in government? Big question. That, that is a big question. You really like to ask large questions, John, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, so first off, I, in my mind, there's no difference between DevOps and DevSecOps. I mean, I, I think if you know you read the goal, if you've read the Phoenix project, if you understand the, the three ways and really what DevOps is trying to accomplish, security was already part of that. Everything was part of that. Really, it's more about organizational alignment and how you view value and how you view your value stream than it is about um, developers and operations working together. And then, you know, somehow the, when people started doing quote unquote DevOps in their organizations, they forgot about security. So they decided to throw DevSecOps as a, a buzzword out there. But so I, I personally think it's nonsensical. Um, but having said that, it, it all is, is very much a part of the agile life cycle. I think it's just agile and then some. Where agile, I think very specifically talks to getting your um, business analysts and your developers and your testers working together. Right, those are that's the silo bust that happened there. Right, it's not that waterfall model of okay, first we're going to write requirements, then we're going to pass it to developers, then we're going to pass it to testers. Agile really kind of broke down the wall between those three groups and said, you're an agile team, you work together throughout the entire life cycle. Um, DevOps is almost the next step of that. I don't want to say it's now developers, you know, this QA and testers as well with operations because I think it's a very simplified way to view DevOps, and I think the name DevOps is one of the biggest problems people have with understanding what it actually is. Um, but I, I do think it is kind of the next iteration, the next evolvement, the evolution of where Agile needs to go, right? 
It's how do you apply agile to my entire organization? Not just where I'm delivering software, but where I am interacting with users and trying to deliver value. Right. From from all the way from ideation to execution, right? That entire pipeline. Absolutely. Right. I mean, even talking through that procurement process that we've talked about in uh, previous podcasts, it's everything from that that first idea of I want to build this to actually delivering it. Yeah. Right. Very cool. So, so this is kind of fun because this ties into, you know, agile really has become the, uh, the, the topic du jour, right? It's, it's everywhere. It's, 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 you can't seem to walk through DC without having somebody talk about how they're going to be the next agile thing, right? Sure. Where we, we've talked about agile kind of agile procurement, right? We've, we've obviously talked about agile and software, you know, so, so what's going to be next in agile, right? Is it, you know, the, Something that I would like to see is is a much more serious look at how we do budgeting in government, right? Because I think I think an agile budgeting process would actually be much closer to putting money where it's needed than what we currently have in a lot of our constrained budgeting environments. And in a lot of ways, when we're talking about life cycle, right, the ability to direct funding has a significant impact on what you're going to get, right? And so when we're talking about these things, like, so budgeting is my bend. If there's, if there's an agile wish list, budgeting would go on that for me. What about you? What, what's on your agile wish list? Well, I think on my agile wish list is to do agile correctly. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many teams I've, I've sat in and um, been part of their daily standups that are, that are status calls. Yeah. Right. They're not actually trying to identify roadblocks and, and ensure work's getting done. Um, but it's typically used more as a status meeting and, um, frankly, a lot of ceremonies are probably used improperly, right? Um, it, it's kind of one of the worst descriptions of agile I've ever heard, but very, um, relevant to how I've seen many folks implement it is that agile is just shorter waterfall. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's one of the worst descriptions of agile I've ever heard. And frankly, a lot of people implement agile as such yeah smaller waterfall yeah i mentioned that to somebody earlier where we were talking about wet agile right this idea that is agile plus waterfall is a little bit of agile that's been run through the waterfall a couple of times right, right. so I, I don't think you know i think you're right I, I think that we we do need to think about and i think becky talked about this right which is this idea that we're doing it we're bringing value to the organization when we do it um we need to continue to to develop how we educate people in it, right? Because because getting closer to, you know, and I'll, I'm as guilty of this as other folks. I run standups on a project that I'm working on right now. And half the time I'm just getting people to kind of talk about what they've done, right? And that is not like at all what you're supposed to use an agile standup for, <laughs> you know? So, so sometimes it's interesting in that human nature is what it is, right? And so you're constantly pushing back against that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we want to do that. You know, I think we get people together. We want to talk about the progress we've made, issues that we've had. I think it's a natural thing to happen. I also think that's one of the things that separates a good scrum master from somebody who's just playing scrum master. Yeah. Um, really owning the process, really controlling the process and driving that process to um, deliver better software. Too many times I've sat in retrospectives that are just a good opportunity to complain about things. Right. That's not it, right? It's how do I improve this process? How do we do better this sprint than we did last sprint? Yeah. Um, so, so it's really making sure that you're actually driving towards the right things. 
Yeah. So, so some great thoughts, you know, I hope everybody listening gets an opportunity to kind of take away some of these things. We've talked about leadership and education and frameworks to plug into the fact that we, we should strive to reiterate on, on, or iterate again on how we implement agile, right? We should have, you know, this is really interesting. It's a little meta, but you know, organizations should do retros on how they've implemented mm -hmm. agile, right? To talk about what they can do better. Right. And we should, constantly be reinforcing that process of continuous improvement in order to get better and better at what we do. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and we work for a few organizations who have their own agile maturity models within their organization and, and quarterly, twice a year or, or annually, depending on how mature their program is, um, we'll get together with project teams to discuss exactly what they're doing and get a sense of how mature they are, right? Just holding a daily standup doesn't mean you're doing agile. And I think that's important to to recognize that just because you're doing these ceremonies doesn't make you agile. So yeah. so let's let's focus on the next step and and actually being agile. Yeah, that's great. Focus on the next step. Let's actually be agile. <laughs> so that's a great way to end it. Um, I want to thank Becky for joining us today, and I want to thank Adam you coming on again and and talking with us. And we'll see everybody next time. So have a great day, and check you on the next Devcast. <laughs>